Okay, well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm going to turn now to looking at the retail side of the urban food system, and particularly looking at the informal food trade sector. And when we're talking about informal food trade, we're talking about uh, food that's coming from wet markets, open-air markets, or street hawkers on the side of the road. Um, and I think we've heard already a little bit about the benefits of informal food trade today. Um, we know that it's a really critical source of food security for the urban poor. Um, we know it's also really significant for employment uh, for the urban poor. In Africa in particular, we find it's essential for older women who are not very well educated and younger men who are well educated and can't find jobs in the formal sector. There's also really strong linkages with the formal food system, um, both domestic value chains and global value chains. And then really essential, as we'll see in just a moment, uh, this sector is really key for tax mobilization for local governments, for, for municipal governments. The challenges, though, are also well known, and I think food safety is probably the one we hear about a lot for informal food trade, problems of bacterial uh, contamination with ready-to-eat foods and meats, um, the lack of decent employment for those working in this sector. Uh, the problems of urban health are not just linked to nutrition, they're linked to other uh, living conditions in urban areas. So, you know, working 12 hours inhaling exhaust fumes from cars, um, sitting out in the, in the rain or the scorching sun. We already heard some of the problems with the diet quality of some of the foods provided um, from the informal trade sector. And then also these traders are often considered political pawns. They're considered a source of uh, vote buying during elections, but then often a source of bribes and targeted for violence. You have a lot of arson in markets um, in a number of African cities in non-electoral periods. So in our work that we're doing as part of this program, we're particularly interested in the governance of the urban informal food trade sector. Um, and we're looking at this in four key domains. The first is better understanding the institutional architecture for oversight of informal food trade. Who's accountable for what? Um, and at what level? At the metropolitan level, city level, the market level? Secondly, what are the range of taxes, fees, levies um, that traders actually pay? And do they get any services in return for that? Third, we know food safety regulation is absolutely important in this sector. Um, but what are the levels of capacity and coordination that exist for enforcement of food safety? And then finally, a really important issue is the right to public space. Many of these vendors are in central business areas. They're trading on pavements and the streets. Um, and we want to un better understand when and why some of these traders harassed and others not. So like Jeff, I'm also going to be drawing on Ghana, a popular country today. Um, and I'm going to provide some insights from three Ghanaian cities, Accra, Kumasi, and Tamale, where we've done some surveys with 1,200 informal food traders. We've also done a number of interviews with policymakers at the national um, and metropolitan level. And so first, with regards to the institutional architecture, you can see here it's really complex. Um, at the national level, uh, you have at least four different ministries that are responsible for oversight, five different national um, authorities um, who have some oversight in this area. Then the Local Government Act actually gives autonomy to the metropolitan municipal and district assemblies to provide oversight. Um, so you have at least five departments at the subnational level, and then they have their distinct subunits um, who provide oversight. Very complex. And what it means is you have a very opaque uh, system of accountability. Uh, who do traders go to um, when something's not working or when there's a cholera outbreak? With regards to taxation and service delivery, it's a bit of a misconception that informal workers are not taxed. In fact, they do face a lot of uh, taxes and fees. 
In Ghana, to be a trader, you need to pay for a business operating permit. And in the budget lines for city authorities, this comes under uh, taxes on goods and services. So for a city like Kumasi, they're getting 65% of their own revenue um, from permits uh, from hawkers, from marketeers, and others in the informal sector. Then if you're a trader, you need to pay a rental fee for your shop or your stall, or what they call the daily ticket if you're just trading on the street. And then if you want to use the toilet, you need to pay. If you want to store your goods, you need to pay. Um, there's also a quarterly tax that needs to be paid on turnover to the Ghanaian revenue authorities. So for example, we have one uh, female stall owner in Tamale that we interviewed. She pays 100 CDs, or about $20 a year for her permit, um, 50 CDs a month for her rental fees, and a number of other um, uh, fees that she pays. But she was lamenting that you know, when the rainy season comes, the toilets overflow, the feces stream down the alleyways, why are they taking our money but we're not seeing anything? And this is a common sentiment that we've heard um, from uh, many of the traders we've interviewed. From our sample, 82% of those who actually pay taxes to district assemblies say they get nothing in return for the money that they pay. And that's, of course, very much linked to food safety, linked to the built environment and the infrastructure um, in these informal food settings. In addition, you have on paper that traders are required to undergo an annual health exam, pay another payment for their food handler certificate. But again, you have erratic enforcement. Um, from our survey work, we found 75% um, of those we interviewed said they didn't know you need any type of permit or license for selling food items. You also have environmental health officers um, who are in charge of regulating counterfeit or expired merchandise. Um, again, we've had many policy, uh, policy officers telling us that they have limited capacity, so they're often just relying on consumer reports um, of where there are violations, and they go out and investigate those. The reason you have a lot of erratic enforcement, at least in the Ghanaian case, um, is that this food safety regulation is financed from own source revenue. Um, and so, of course, you have different socioeconomic bases of these cities, and that explains a lot of the intercity disparities that you find. You also have a very decentralized waste collection system. You have the government, you have the private sector, and then you have what are called community-based operators who are in charge of collecting trash in different markets. And so, again, you have a lot of... Uh, erratic uh, waste collection across markets. Finally, if we turn to rights to public space, this is a real challenge for informal traders across the developing world. We know they face a lot of harassment. Um, in Ghana, cities uh, have autonomy to make their own uh, what are called decongestion bylaws. Um, so street hawking is actually outlawed, and buying from a street hawker is actually outlawed. Um, and you have task force and metro guards patrolling the central business districts. Um, and Accra even tried to start something called Operation Red Line, where they demarcated um, part of the pavements with a red line about where traders could stay on the pavement and where they could not. You also have a challenge of forced removals when you're trying to build new malls or you're trying to upgrade markets with better infrastructure. The challenge is, of course, sometimes these new markets are put in areas that are very far away from customers, or because of the new better infrastructure, the stall fees are too high, and so your poorest traders are pushed back to the streets. So here, again, we have a picture from um, Kumasi. This market, racetrack, um, is almost entirely empty. Uh, it was built too far away from most of the customers in Kumasi, so most traders went back to the streets in the central part of the city. And we have found from our work, when we look across different cities, you do see interesting variation in harassment. So we found this was much higher in Kumasi um, and lowest in, in Tamale. So going forward with this work, um, we really want to 
um, delve deeper into this governance perspective. If we want to have policy impact, I think with this program, we do need to understand this institutional architecture and understanding points of entry into the policy process. We want to expand more on these comparative analyses, not just cross-country and cross-region, but I think there's a lot of value to doing cross-city analysis in the same country to really reduce this capital city bias that you find in a lot of the existing work on urban food security. And then finally, as, as Jeff and Marie mentioned at the outset, we want to be considering policy options to enhance the benefits of informal food trade that I mentioned at the outset and obviously minimize challenges uh, for the traders. So we're already starting to look at some issues, policy options such as earmarking revenue uh, for reinvestment in markets. So I'll leave it there. Thank you.